Coming up in the Panel Scanners podcast, to a galaxy far, far away, we go for our Star Wars special. It's the Panel Scanners Star Wars special, and it's happening now. It's almost here. I don't know if we ever thought this would happen, but Star Wars is returning to theaters. The Force Awakens opens on December 18th. I am seeing it December 17th. Probably like a lot of people who might listen to this podcast. I know you said you're not going to be able to see it to the weekend. Follow yeah, no, I'm going to wait. Um, man, oh man, we got a lot to cover here. Star Ooh. Wars, you could say, is one of the kings of our culture. This this world of comics and nerd awesomeness that we live in. And clearly, considering we are both men north of 30, I'm a lot more north of 30 than you are, Phil, um, I don't see us not doing that anytime soon. My dog is trying to get into my whiskey cabinet. That's not going to go well. Chip, thank you, buddy. Smart dog. Whiskey's great. It is great. Um, All right. Lots to cover tonight. Our friend Johnny is not here. Not sure what happened to him. We miss him. We hope he's well. And uh, don't forget to check out his book, Mythos, The Time After Oblivion. It is available on Amazon. That's Caps C A P P S. We're going to start right off the bat here. We got a bunch of different categories tonight. Lots to get through. Yeah. Um, what great topic though, right? Absolutely. Yeah, always topic. good. Now we're going to start with favorite Star Wars memory, and let me kick off this little. Uh, I have an honorable mention. I hope you don't mind that I'm doing this. I actually, kind of have two. Honorable mention, and here's why. Eventual subliminal disassociation notwithstanding, seeing the first trailer for episode one was incredible. Uh-huh. A flood of childlike joy flowed through me, camping out with my buddy Tim to wait in line for episode one tickets. Who knew those two moments of anticipation would be the high water mark for the prequel trilogy? Had anyone told me while waiting in that festive line that I would not even see all of episode three in the tr- in the theater, I would have thought them daft. Daft, I say. And another one is my dad taking me to see The Empire Strikes Back on Christmas Day. It was the second time we were seeing it. Only then did I quite grasp that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. Phil, what do you got? Well, mine wasn't exactly the movies themselves. When episode one was coming out, um, my brother, myself couple of our friends and a camera, some old broomsticks that we painted the colors of lightsabers, went to my backyard. No way, I love this already. We choreographed a lightsaber fight. It was the first time ever that I kicked my brother very hard in the stomach, and then I hit him with a stick and ran into the woods. Later on, we added, granted, this was old-style special effects, with very, very sloppy, sloppy-looking lightsabers slamming against each other with bad, bad sound effects. But boy, was I pumped to see that movie. Because we did it probably a week before Episode One came out. Because that was when my love for Star Wars was still at its peak. Oh, yeah. There's no accounting for how high Star Wars fever was at that point. Let's say, like, late 98 all the way through... Until the following May when that movie was released. Oh, yeah. Oh, you even say when it was announced in 97 on the heels of the Star Wars Special Editions, which were put back in theaters. Mm-hmm. I'll get to that in a little bit later. Okay. 
Uh, but my favorite moment, going off of my honorable mentions, was playing with Kenner Star Wars action figures. If you look to your left, my buddy, you'll... Uh, oh, yeah. I have a little display case over it there. It is beautiful. There is no way to account for the time I spent building worlds, reenacting the scenes from the movies, constructing my own story arcs, saving the galaxy, and having my dad constantly repairing parts and limbs from those well-loved and played-with figs. They are the most loved toys I will ever own. Those figures and the time I spent with them, more so even than the movies, are the reason I have an enduring love for Star Wars. And it's interesting to me because I think you can clearly say that Star Wars has become mythology. Oh, yeah. I, I would submit to you that Star Wars popularity transcends any comic book character or team or hero at all. It's, I mean, it, I, mean I still think that Superman's a little bit niche. X-Men is completely niche. Oh, yeah. Avengers, it's sort of moved it moved its way into the more of the mainstream, but I still think, like, just the response that the Star Wars trailer got, um, I don't know if you saw the meme where it said, you know, it showed the Avengers, like, hey, we made a billion dollars in so many weeks, the theater, and then the Jurassic World guys like, yeah, well, we outdid you in this amount of weeks, and then it showed Harrison Ford go, our 88-second trailer crashed the internet, amateurs. <laughs> So, I, this clearly, I think we can safely say that Star Wars The Force Awakens is going to be the highest grossing movie of all time. Oh, it better be. It better be worth it. Sorry. Mm. I'm still I'm still jaded. Interestingly enough, that was predicted that Star Wars Episode One would be, and it never made it. Yeah. And word of mouth kind of, you know, derailed it to reaching that hype. Well, we still have a little bit of time before we get the, the early reviews in. I am going to say... They wait, probably will not release that for critics to, to review. You don't think so? No, and I, I think it's a special case. Usually, I... Listen, Oh, tell me real quick. We should probably mention we're, we're actually recording this a month earlier. We should not mention it, but now that <laughs> it's out there, we are recording this uh, just before Thanksgiving. Well, no, because a lot of the things we're saying are, are gesticulations and guesses and things like that because we don't know if if this were if this were, you know... After the movie came out, it would it'd be a different situation. Well, we're, this is going to drop on December 1st. Um, but here's the thing. I, I was a huge fan, and still am, of Roger Ebert. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, no one wrote about movies better than Roger Ebert did. No one ever wrote. Yeah, absolutely. I used to read his books all the time, and he would talk about, you always know the movie you want to see is in trouble when they have a lot of reshoots... And it's not been released for critics to view, which means they don't want bad word of mouth. Mm-hmm. It's opening weekend. They want to make as much money. They know they know they have a turkey on their hands, and they want to make as much money as possible going into uh, the opening weekend. Now, reshoots aside, that doesn't always mean mm-hmm. that it's it's going to be bad. Like I know, most recently, one of the most reshot movies of all time was Mad Max. And that movie turned out the most recent. One. I didn't see it either. I heard but nothing but good things. It's, apparently, it's gotten amazing reviews. People have said best action film ever. Yeah, I've heard that also, which is like, oh my gosh, how do I? I have to see this yeah. movie. Now, on the other side of that coin from this summer was, of course, Fantastic Four. Which was also an incredibly reshot film. Yeah, yeah. which is almost totally reshot and met with completely different results. Yes. Um, so, I don't think that's going to be released for critics to view. And you would think that. At least for the first couple of weeks, it's critic-proof anyway. These people, most people have already bought their tickets. It's true. All right. Now we're going to get to, I think, uh, the category. It's funny because we have these glowing, amazing memories that they fill us with such childlike mm-hmm. joy. But we're not going to spend half as much time on that that we're about to spend on least favorite moments. Uh, now, I'll, I'll go ahead and kick it off because I have a dishonorable fine. mention. 
Now, I'll submit to you that for as much as the hate pile for Star Wars Episode One has grown over the years, it is not what trashed Star Wars for so many fans. To me, one singular moment in Episode Two shoulders the blame. All right, let's hear this. Anakin and Amidala's conversation on the moisture farm where Luke would eventually grow up. Hayden Christian's acting is nails on a chalkboard bad. Or grading, I should say. He laments the death of his mother, vows to kill all of the sand people, then whines like a mule how Obi-Wan is holding him back all in the same breath. It is just a poorly written scene and such a poor performance that ruined, ruined Darth Vader, who went from the personification of intimidation and evil, evil to a whiny emo teenager. Funny, my least favorite moment came from episode two as well. Mm -hmm. That moment, as well, was the moment and the only time I've gone to see a midnight release of a movie that I fell asleep because I was so bored. Can I guess? How bad it was. Is there one moment? Was it the love montage? Yes. The sound of music well, no. montage? What started it was the giant political uh, like meeting that took way too long. I was barely holding on, then that happened, and I died. And I and the reality is, I would say I've seen episodes four, five, and six so many times I can count. Absolutely, how can you not? I've seen episode one eight times. I've I did seen, the same thing. I've seen episode two once and a half. Once I finished it. I, I got it when it came out to watch it because I fell asleep when I saw it the first time. And I've seen episode three, three-fourths. <laughs> that is exactly what I've done. Yeah, that's weird. It's sad. So my least favorite moment of Star Wars was when my love of Star Wars died in the theater. Yeah, now my least favorite moment is going to be the moment that did that too. And it happens actually between episode one and two. Okay. Shortly after episode one, fan speculation was at its highest for any pop culture franchise ever. Um, social network was just in its notion form. And a, and a lot of people don't remember this. Before YouTube was a thing and Facebook and all these things, a fan-made episode two trailer, which largely features characters turning their heads to look off camera, included actors that were rumored to take part in the sequel, including a demonic shot of a Sith like Christopher Walken. At one point, Christopher Walken was attached to Episode Two, presumably as a Sith. Yeah, this is totally true. It was done well enough that in the days before YouTube, it sent the internet on fire. Bolstered by that trailer, excitement was at such that the flaws of Episode for, for I think most of us were kind of glossed over. We were sort of like. Yeah, it wasn't that great. But we thought it was setting but, something up you know, good. You know, when episode... Like, we're all like... You're yeah. Like, we're like, you know, is Star Wars as good if the Empire Strikes Back sucks? And you're, you're kind of like... And even now I say, probably not. Yeah. I mean, the Empire Strikes Back elevates that whole franchise. Yeah, hands um, And in Bolster by the Trailer, it was... We were kind of, kind of like, for, very forgiving mm -hmm. of episode one. Um, then, mere weeks after that, came the news... From the Star Wars Insider, of which I was, uh, I had a subscription. It was a member of the Star Wars Fan Club magazine. This bit of news killed it for me. And I don't know if you remember this. This was a big deal back at the time. Members of the then mega-popular band, boy band, NSYNC, were going to be in Star Wars Episode 2. I remember two. that. And suggestions were 
that they were going to feature as Jedi in a large battle sequence, which presumably would have been the end of that end of the movie when they were all caught in that mm-hmm. arena. Honestly, I don't even recall if the members of NSYNC were in the movie or their scene was cut, but they were cast and their scene was shot. Um, I slept through that part. I don't remember. It was enough to make me realize that Star Wars no longer belonged to me and from that point forward would bear only a passing resemblance to the Star Wars I grew up with. That's fair. You know, one of the things that bothered me so much about the Star Wars prequel trilogy, specifically Episode 2, which I think we now both... You know, Star Wars Episode One's the, the one that shoulders all the hate. Mm-hmm. You know, not saying it's uh, immune to that, but Episode 2 of those three movies is by far the worst of the three movies. By the time we get to Episode 3, I was in a theater. The yeah. sound went out. It was in Valley View. The sound crapped out. The speakers fried. We gave, They gave us tickets to go back and see it. You want to know what I saw a week later? What opened a week after that? I, don't, I honestly don't remember. Batman Begins. Which is a far better movie. That's what I ended up going to see. So you've never seen all of Episode 3 either? I have never seen all of Episode 3. Me either. That's strange. We should totally check this out. We should. It's, a, it's time. I, enough time I has need, passed. I need, I need to... Closure. This is what I want to do. Because my wife... I, I, my wife has never seen Star Wars. Like I don't any know, of it? I don't know how that's possible. She has like nerdy brothers too. Was she allowed to grow up? I don't know what happened. So, um, is she speaking contractions? No. Oh my god, she's totally see. <laughs> um. So, regardless, um, I told her that before episode seven comes out, we should watch them all. And I was like, now. I want to watch them chronologically because I know the first three are going to hurt. Yeah, and you know why? Because you can't watch the original trilogy and go, and now I have, I have to, to watch, watch the prequels. No, because if you watch the first three, at least you know on the horizon. Exactly, I have something to look awesome. forward to. So the struggle has been, and the reason we haven't started this yet, the reason we haven't started this whole thing yet is because I cannot find the originals at all of four, five, and six. You're walking out of here with them tonight. Oh, I, have, I love you. I have... And let's just say VHS because I can't play no, them. No. Mm. Uh, this is a close to ten years ago. My buddy Jim found the Laserdisc versions, which you were the original... Yeah, were the original theatrical releases. So we bought the DVD collection and then we, 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 were, we worked in a duplication center. So we got the... Uh, the jewel boxes for the DVDs, and we mm-hmm. found some ones that had double. So we just took the sleeves out of the ones that came with the case, and we put dual. Uh, we put them in the dual case. So I have the actual theatrical releases, the non-special edition versions. I think they're finally out there. I've had those things for ten years. You're walking out of here with them. Yeah, like I, uh, I found some online, but like every time I read, like about people, like some people are like. Yeah, they are, and then like, no, there's still this. So I, I don't, I don't even know if they're really, really out there, out there. Or even if I were to buy it, if I would get the right ones, there's like six different copies of the Blu-ray. No, I got you set up. So uh, I'll probably give you the. Do you want the original theatrical releases? Yeah. See, I'm not one of those guys that really minded the special edition. I didn't, I didn't either. Care. I was cool to see them in the theaters. I'm fine with it. No, I mean, I wasn't. I, I mean, I kind of wanted to watch them again just to see if they're like what I remember. But at the same time, like I do remember the special editions, and they weren't a bad thing. It's fine. But, there are some strange things, but whatever. Yeah, and I still want... I don't know. And, like, I need to find copies of episodes 1, 2, and 3, which I can probably go to, like, the exchange and get them for, like, a nickel. All right. So, all right. Favorite moment in the Star Wars 
trilogy, quadrilogy. I don't, I don't. That's not quadrilogy. That'd be four. Well, the saga. I guess we're gonna call it. Now, my favorite moment. I do have an honorable mention. Mid to late '90s Lucasfilm Star Wars video games. Awesome. Was that um, was that uh, Dark Forces? Dark Forces. Rebel yeah, Rebel Assault. Um, X Wing mm-hmm. versus Tie Fighter. Yep. You are about to do a review of Battlefront. Yes, sir. I am sure that it is in many ways a technical marvel uh-huh. and a must-play for even the most casual of Star Wars fans. I would say so. Can I pitch to you that, not just in Star Wars video games, maybe in video games overall, that the charm is largely gone from video games because technology has progressed to a point where they, I guess they don't really need to rely on charm anymore. And I'm talking about the big yeah. releases. You know, a lot of mobile games rely on that. But, like, Star Wars Battlefront probably doesn't need to hit you with a little cute easter eggs um to to satiate your taste because they you know they used to just give you in the distance like an ad-ad yeah and you're like oh my god it's an ad-ad and you were like totally freaked out but now you're like pilot them you're going inside one yeah you control them and stuff all right so we're, we're gonna get to that in just a second um but back then and this was, if you think about it, when the 3D age back in the 90s, yeah, like, 3D yeah, really shooters, started, yeah. Doom, Duke Nukem Forever, not Duke Nukem Forever, sorry, bad call, Duke Nukem 3D, mm-hmm. um, were just getting going, and then all of a sudden you're like, this is great, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, you're going to go in the Star Wars universe, you're walking around Cloud City, you're sneaking around the Death Star, you're in Jabba's Palace, and you're and back then, you're like, oh my god. God, and then you see stormtroopers coming down. You're blasting stormtroopers. How did you just not be like just sit there with this big grin on your face? I mean, back then, and then Star Wars Dark Forces Two was good. Um, that's when you're like, yeah. I remember Star Wars Dark Forces Two had to do one thing to sell you. It's like you have a lightsaber this time. Yep. Like, oh, what else do I need? And you're gonna get some force powers too. Yeah. Um, it was just. So great, and that to me, like I was already like I kill, held, carried the torch for Star Wars because mm-hmm. I was into the Star Wars comics, I was into the expanded universe. But then all of a sudden, I'm participating in this. It was amazing. So the funny thing for me is my favorite memory is also the video games, but not the same ones. I remember very clearly when when I was younger, my dad. We had an N64. In a single wrapped container, I had Shadows of the Empire, the novel, and oh, the Nintendo 64 game. Oh, yeah. That was like the multi If you recall... It doesn't hold up. Don't play it. No. But if you recall, it also... They got someone to do a score. It was beautiful. Yeah. You and had the CD... Oh, so I remember, I remember reading the book, and like I kept getting to parts in the game. I kept, I had to stop playing the game so I could get further in the book to make sure I didn't ruin it. And because the book, the game ran like with the book very well, and I just remember going, "Man, I'm in Star Wars." And then Battlefront came out soon after, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's like being in like a Star Wars war." And then Battlefront Two came out, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And I just kept falling in love again and again soon to be wrecked by the actual prequels yeah. but but there's just something about and then they released like those really cool lightsabers right before episode one yeah. came out and all this stuff that made me feel like oh i'm a jedi i'm into this it's so cool and there's just that thing that you didn't really care and like everybody was just like star wars and 
I, I don't know. It, it felt like you were part of like this giant community, like this universe of like-minded people that loved this this thing that that was wasn't even meant to be loved. Like initially, like it was just this like B movie that someone was putting yeah. out, and just being part of that. And like as a kid, you didn't realize that, but there's just something about like being in it, and I loved it. I loved it so much, and I, that that was my memory. Like just thinking about playing. Um, Shadows of the Empire, and like I said, I have, within the last few years, like, put it in, played it for, like, maybe, like, a minute, and I took it out, I was like, that's going to ruin my memory. Now, is it a bad game that doesn't hold up, or is this that games it, now are so sophisticated that it's hard to go back to that? Because I find it's, it's really hard for me to go back and play, like, a, a 64-bit 3D shooter, but I can go from this to playing a Nintendo 64 game. Well, that wasn't a Nintendo 64 game, but it was... Oh, you're right. That's not what I meant. A, a Super Nintendo game. Yeah, well, it was because it wasn't trying to be 3D. Mm. It was such an early... And it's just really jumpy, and, like, the controls aren't great. And it's just one of those things, like, as a kid, you were like, oh, cool. Like, you but struggle with it. You, but had, you, know. you had nothing that, like, I, I, video games that come it's so kind of It's hard to uncork that bottle now. Exactly. But, I mean, there are things that still hold up that are 3D. It's just... Yeah. It was it was a very ambitious attempt on their part, and I it played, was a it was a fun game when it came out. I played Duke Nukem 3D like four years ago, all the way through. Wow! My favorite, The Empire Strikes Back. Just among the few sequels in movie history, maybe the only sequel that outdoes its predecessor in every way imaginable. Um, I could have picked one moment, but so much is perfect in this movie. The Empire Strikes Back is the singular reason that Star Wars has become modern mythology. It is to this day an experience that loses nothing through repeated revisitation. This is the movie that moves Darth Vader from the pantheon of great villains to the top spot. Okay? Without equal, the constant, looming specter of evil whose every action inspires terror. Terror. Yoda is introduced, and quirky speech patterns aside, find one thing that Yoda says that's not important to that story. Doesn't wrap up a question or introduce something more. The bounty hunters, the coolest looking characters in the Star Wars universe, appear on screen just long enough to capture the imagination of a legion of fanboys. The climactic battle scene, the Battle of Hoth, is moved to the beginning of the movie and rivals the Death Star Assault. Han Solo's fate, Princess Leia's, Chewbacca's, R2-D2's, 3CPO's, C-3PO's, Lando's, the fate of the Rebellion, and Luke! Luke gets his ass kicked by his dad! <laughs> the bad guys win in this movie, which is unlike any of our genre movies. It's true. Yeah, so we started talking about uh, the video games, but yeah. before we move on... It's, it's, you know, I think it's very important for us to remember, going into The Force Awakens, that we should not be expecting The Empire Strikes Back. We have to do that to ourselves. No. We should be expecting Return of the Jedi. Well, that's what I'm Something saying. Something that satisfies, but does not make us... Like, you watch The Empire Strikes Back now, and you're like... I mean, there's some logic gaps in that well, movie. Yeah. But who cares? I, it's just, I feel like... And I... I shouldn't even say this out loud, and you might get mad at me, but it's going to be hard-pressed to not be better than what we've been fed recently. Yeah. You're saying we have to do that to ourselves? See, you're worried about watching the trailers ruining it for you. I think you're going to ruin it for yourself if you're going in there like, okay, this better be as good as The Empire Strikes Back. I'm not. 
Okay. I'm going in going, this better be better than episode two. Well, here's the thing. I've been saying this for a while. There is no way this movie can be worse than the prequels. But if it is... I can punch I, you in the face. I can punch you in the face. No. If this is worse than the prequels, <laughs> I can't wait to see how. I will be just as fascinated by that. This is, this is, this is what I'm going to say right now. And I'm, I, I'll, probably, I'll probably have to eat it later because I know I won't follow through. But if it is worse than the prequels, I'm 100% done with Star Wars. Until Rogue One, which kind of sounds awesome. We'll get to that, too. Uh, Battlefront. Battlefront. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about it on two levels. Level one, as, as, as a first-person shooter, as a game. First-person, third-person shooter. It's very generic. Okay. Um, point and shoot. It's accessible at every level. It's not like you don't have to be like a hardcore gamer. You don't have to like memorize maps. Um, you can do well. Um, just just you know turning it on and playing. There there is a level up system. You unlock better guns. You can unlock better weapons. That type of thing. You can get different skins. You can be every alien ever in the Star Wars universe. Um, marketing. It, it's rough. A sixty dollar game out of the box. Uh, you're talking about another fifty dollars for the season pass, which is like honestly more content than what's on the disc to begin with. So a lot of people are complaining about that. All right, the bad is out of the way. Time for the good. All right. Aside from all of that, there is this thing called Walker Assault. What Walker Assault basically is, is a 20 on 20 battle of you either as the Empire trying to get your walkers to destroy a base, or you as the Rebels trying to stop the walkers from doing so. And it is the most Star Wars feeling thing I've ever played on any system in my life. There are X-Wings and TIE Fighters flying overhead. You are using A-Wings to trip up the walkers. You have rebels on the ground trying to shut down these walkers, shooting them from the ground, praying that they don't step on you, and you're gritting your teeth for the whole time, because it is hard to win as the rebels, as it should be. Yeah, you're right. And that is just one of many things. There are so many small things. And you're talking about Easter eggs and how you don't think they're necessary, like they just don't put them in there anymore, but when you're on Tatooine... And you're trying to stop the Jawas. I forget what it's called. The big like the sand, uh, crawler. sand crawler. You're trying to stop it from moving forward. When you approach it, shooting guns, you see a bunch of sand people running into it. When you're on Endor, and you're running through, and there are walkers running next to you, you can see the Ewoks climbing their trees to safety. Is there a single player mode in this at all? It's all multiplayer. There is a single player, but it's like kind of like challenges. Um, it's meant to be like a multiplayer war game. Okay. Which is a problem a lot of people have with it. Yeah. But I'll tell you, playing it, it's not an issue. And it's really hard to explain why, but we know the Star Wars story. Like, I don't really want to be Luke, like, flying his X-Wing into the Death Star. I've done See, that. See, I want to do that. But I've so. done that. I've I want to do it because, times. like, the technology's gotten so much better that... I want to kind of, I, I kind of want to feel that again. I think it's time. And, and, I understand where you're and, coming from. And I from. get that, but what this 
I feel like what this game is, is it's trying to give you a level of the war we never really got experience. And that's what Battlefront has always been. Like, Battlefront hasn't always been about the single player. It's been about the, the giant battles, being able to play online, being able to fight other people, shooting at stormtroopers, being a stormtrooper, flying an X-Wing into the side of a walker, trying to take it down. I remember last time I played Battlefront, it's got to be close to ten years ago now, where I flew from one of my rebel frigates, and I, I assaulted a Death Star, um, and you end up flying into the Death Star, mm -hmm. and then you get out of your X-Wing, and you go into like one of the control rooms to sabotage it, and you have like two minutes to get back to your X-Wing. Meanwhile, you're fighting stormtroopers to get back to your X-Wing, and you take off just in time. And I, and I remember going, well, I need to find some way to just be able to do this for a while because, oh my gosh. Yeah. And now, it's been a long time, so I guess the subsequent releases of the game were very subpar. Um, but I guess they got it right this time. I'm really excited well, about it. Well, yes and no, but like that type of thing is what people are complaining about, that that isn't there. Oh, really? See, you don't have like that kind of mission. Oh, like, Maybe I'm okay then. I mean, what you need to do is come over to my house, take some allergy pills... And just play it for a little bit. You yeah, are well, welcome. You are welcome to man. Like it, it's it's worth it. It's worth you playing as a Star Wars fan. I'm kind of scared you'll play it, and we have a problem kicking you out of my house. Oh no, no! I have a wife and daughter. That, <laughs> that will not happen. Um, all right, cool stuff. Uh, Battlefront yeah. is getting a thumbs up. It does yeah. look pretty. No, By the way, they ran a commercial which was incredible for that. Yeah. Did you see it where the kid, the guy's holding up the old toy R two D two, starts daydreaming. Yep. About all the fun. I mean, that was us as kids, man. Yep, and it feels like that. It really does. It, it's. I played it for about an hour before I came over tonight. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, we're getting all geared up for Star Wars The Force Awakens, which mm -hmm. is now, uh, it's right around the corner. We're really excited about it. I mean, listen, Han Solo has returned. He is, Harrison Ford is in the movie as Han Solo. I mean, you, you, really, they didn't need to show a trailer. They could have just said... Harrison Ford's playing Han Solo in this movie You're really as a cool. gruff general. Okay. okay. I'll just start, I, <laughs> I, mean, I just bought my ticket in my head. Yeah. Uh, but there's more to come. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what all's coming. There, there's a lot. There are more games. There are comics galore. Like, Marvel is pumping them out. And they've pumping, been pretty good. They have not been disappointing. Mm -mm. Um, Invader Down just started on Wednesday. So there's that, too, um, that I'm sure you're looking forward to. Um, but I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like we have, we have four expansion packs for Battlefront coming. Um, I'm sure we're going to start getting more novels where you have other movies coming. Well, next year is Rogue One. Yeah. And it wasn't so long ago that they released the official synopsis for it, which to me is awesome. Have you heard? No. The official synopsis for Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One, it's going back Brace yourself. Okay. Prequel. But immediate prequel, not 40 years, like maybe a year before Star Wars New Hope. The whole movie is a heist movie. It's the stealing of the Death Star plan. No, no, I did hear that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And I think that's next year, 2016. I think the following year is episode 8. That's and then likely. I think there's the either... There's going to be a Star Wars movie every year for like the next six years. Yeah. And then I think it's either the Han Solo... Legacy movie. No, the, the, what they're calling this, the uh, 789, are the legacy movies. Mm -hmm. And I, I think they're like Chronicles of Star Wars or Star Wars. It's kind of filling the gap type situation. Yeah, so it's, uh, there's going to be a Boba Fett. There's going to be yeah, 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 Han yeah. Solo. 
And then episode nine is supposed to come out. So this is 2015, 2017, 2019, and then I guess it's a more of a wait and see after that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really... I think that's pretty ambitious to go. We have all these years of movies coming before the first one even... Yeah, can you imagine if this thing completely... It's gonna make money. No. It's it's already made its money. the thing is, if it's bad this time... I you'll, don't you'll see it. Do, get, I don't see it doing as well as like episode two and episode three. Well, your Rogue One is already started shooting, so you're getting at what this movie is. This could listen. This thing could be a zero percent of Rotten Tomatoes, considered like Batman and Robin, Fantastic Four, episode two bad. We're getting Rogue One, <laughs> Silver Surfer. Oh, uh, that hurts. All right, That's it's exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. Absolutely. But you are right. There's a little bit of us that has to kind of go. Yeah, but it could all come crashing. I, I guess I'm going in very cautiously. Well, uh, leaning into, you just mentioned um, the Star Wars comics. Yes. And they are really hot seller. By the way, this year was January 2015 that Star Wars number one came out for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have some sales figures for you. We're going to get to that in a second. But the history of the comics um, is actually quite interesting. Uh, Star Wars, when it comes out in 1977... Not a whole lot of fanfare behind it. People kind of... If you go back and you see... Have you ever seen the original theatrical trailer for Star Wars? Yes. There is no way you would want to see Star Wars after seeing that trailer. You're like, that looks stupid. And even now, when you, even though you know what Star Wars is, you're like, why would anyone have gone to see that movie based on that trailer? Horrible, horrible trailer. Um, and of course, this thing becomes a big hit. Stan Lee was hesitant to commit to publishing a Star Wars comic adaptation. Um, Sales rarely did well for movie tie-ins, so his reluctance was justified, clearly. Lee eventually came around when uh, editor Roy Thomas displayed so much enthusiasm for the movie. And this is interesting. Lee, Stan Lee, negotiated a merchandising fee that saw Lucasfilm, then called something like Star Wars Incorporated, to receiving no royalties for the sales. It's the only time... That Star Wars did not make money off of any merchandising, um, unless the book exceeded 100,000 copies. To put that in perspective, in 1969, the closest year for which I can find sales figures, it's fun, I, I found sales figures for the 50s and 60s, nothing for the 70s. I don't know what happened, hmm. or, unless they're still trying to compile something, 70s, 80s and 90s. Um, to put that in perspective... It, it, they were not going Lucasfilm or Star Wars Inc. would make no money unless the Marvel comic sold 100,000 copies, and that would be issue one, which was a comic book adaptation of the movie. Um, the top selling comic book, you want to take a guess what it might have been in 1969? 69? Mm-hmm. From Marvel? Just overall. You're not going to guess it. Probably it's Archie. Right. Sales figures north of 500,000 for Archie. Number one. Incidentally, this month's top-selling comic... Well, actually, October's top-selling comic. Want to take a guess? For 2015, want to take a guess at what it was? Uh, Vader? Mm-mm. I don't know. It was the Invincible Iron Man. Take a stab at the figure. Top-selling. Uh, 550? 279,000. Wow. Now, I've been unable to t- obtain these hard numbers from the 70s, but most of what we know is that the 70s was a catastrophic decade for the industry with sales figures low enough to threaten both Marvel and DC towards extinction. Star Wars launches and is an instant major hit for the comic book. 
The comic book is even a gigantic hit. So much so that the first six issues are credited with saving Marvel from bankruptcy and eventually closing its doors. Um, Marvel produced 107 issues, canceling the series in 1986 due to failing sales because, of course, Return of the Jedi had premiered in 1983. Mm -hmm. No word of new movies for more than a decade. This wasn't surprising. Yeah. All right? Now, Marvel was in line to revive the series in the early 90s, but passed on the license with Marvel brass feeling that Star Wars had run its course, and it's hard to blame them for that. Um, Dark Horse jumps in and picks up Cam Kennedy's and Tom Veek's take on a direct sequel to Return of the Jedi, a sort of Episode Seven. Dark Empire was released in the fall of 1993 and is magnificent. Holds up very very well. Um, Was a massive success. And actually is credited with helping um, further solidify Dark Horse as a viable number three to the big two of Marvel and DC. And I recall fondly getting the first issue for Christmas in 1993. My mom must have spied it somewhere because I had no idea it existed until I opened that package. And I'm looking at Star Wars Dark Empire and there's Luke Skywalker on the cover. And I'm like, what is this? Now you may recall Dark Empire was the very first of our retroactive reviews that I produced in response to the announcement that Disney had bought Star Wars mm-hmm. from George Lucas and was underway in producing more Star Wars films. Dark Horse then benefited from two other announcements. What do you think those two announcements were? Oh boy. I don't remember Dark in Horse. In terms of the that. Star Wars line in the 90s. It's very simple. Oh, the, the prequels. The first, the special yeah. edition and the and prequels. The prequels. Um, the special edition released in theaters in the winter of 97 and is subsequently revealed that the prequel trilogy was officially in pre-production. I remember very vividly when they announced that they're going to make more prequels. They're not saying, we're not saying we're starting pre-production. Here's some things we're already working on. So it was like, we already started this. This is happening. Here's the stuff. Here's some of the cast members. We're going ahead with this. And they're like, oh my God, it's not coming. It's already begun. However... Some found it, including myself, disappointed that once the prequel trilogy approached, the classic characters and the era were virtually abandoned in favor of prequel era, uh, the prequel era and the characters. Prequel era stories were typical of the Dark Horse Star Wars line um, for much of its run until the classic era characters returned in an eponymously titled Star Wars in January of 2013. The title was intended to bridge the gap between Star Wars and Empire, then from Empire to Jedi, though the title had to end prematurely when Dark Horse lost the license back to Marvel. Now, if you remember, um, Star Wars was a fixture in my stuck pile and a pick of the month multiple times in the early days of SSPS. Mm-hmm. Um, Dark Horse shepherded the Star Wars comics property from Dark Empire until the January of this, of this year with Marvel reclaiming the rights once they both fell under the same roof. Dark Horse produced some essential moments in the Star Wars mythology, all of which has technically been jettisoned and is no longer considered canonical, according to Disney. Disney's ditching of the Star Wars comic heritage is clearly more of a strategic move, though, to set up the new films, and not surprising, that announcement was met with widespread disdain from loyal fans. However, I say who cares. If you want the Dark Horse comics to be canonical, then they're canonical. Just because Disney says they're not, mm-hmm. who gives a crap? Um, and I almost get a, get a sense of that, you know, 
I, from what I did heard that J.J. Abrams did like kind of pour over a lot of the stuff that was in the expanded universe. He didn't want to just get rid of it, but at some time he just felt like I I, I got to tell it's my overwhelming. story. Yeah. yeah. So Marvel then relaunched the Star Wars line under its original home with an eponymously titled Star Wars Number One. Now listen to this: Iron Man, two hundred seventy-five thousand yes. copies, the number one title last month. Yes. Star Wars back in January of this year. What do you think? Is it higher or lower? I'm not going to tell you. Ah, uh, Star Wars re-releasing with the with the news of the the new movies coming out. Star uh, Wars number one, which is a return to Luke and Han and Chewie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say about three fifty. Three hundred fifty thousand. Star Wars is the number one selling comic in the last ten years. Sold nine hundred eighty five thousand. Holy crap! That was earlier this year. Yeah, so that's Star Wars number one. You may have, and I may have. You may wear shit. Yeah, um, yeah. But which brings us back to Star Wars's uh, Marvel's original Star Wars run. And here we go. There it is, right there, my friend. Yeah. I I had a bunch of these. I've had a lot of these for a very long time. Um, I've had probably 30 to 40 of them on my own. I acquired a few to, mm-hmm. to finish off the first 19 is where I got for this, um, this retro review. Roy Thomas and Archie Goodwin. Or, yeah, it's, uh, Roy Thomas is the writer. Archie Goodwin takes over with issue 11. Illustrated by Howard Chaikin. Carmine Infantino takes over with issue 11. Roy Thomas, who famously took over of, as editor-in-chief from Stan Lee when he steps down from Marvel, begins the series. His credits include X-Men, The Avengers, mm-hmm. Green Lantern, Batman, JLA, Justice Society. He's credited with bringing Conan to the comic books. He's a 2011 Eisner Hall of Fame inductee. His te- team's with artist Howard Chaikin, who has worked on everything from heavy metal to micronauts. Chaikin put his ink away for a while and began producing television. Among the series he's produced, the 1990 version of The Flash. Um... I want you to look here at issue 14, pages uh, 2 and 3. This is Howard Chaikin, who takes over. There it is. Go ahead and grab that. What Open pages? that to pages 2 and, three two and 3 of issue 14. And just take a look at that. As I mentioned earlier while you are opening that, Star Wars very literally saved Marvel back in the 70s because it was such a massive hit. Um, well, since I don't have those figures in the 70s, they're saying that back in the 70s, isn't it? For 1970s, they took some time with this thing. Now, I have to tell you, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous art. I mean, it's fantastic. You're looking at these pages two and three. Now, honestly, it doesn't look a whole lot like Star Wars, but it can be no, forgiven, it looks right? Like fighting dragons. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, I'm, I'm about to get to that in a second. All right, so they took their time with the movie adaptation. It's spread out over six different issues, which is a big deal back then. Titles are Star Wars, Six Against the Galaxy, Death Star, In Battle with Darth Vader. Okay, here's my favorite. Lo, the Moons of Yavin. And is this the final chapter? It is clear from the beginning that Marvel Comics groups were solidly behind the concept once they jumped on board, though I wonder how far in advance they knew some of the story particulars. The cover of issue six, go and take a look at the cover of issue six, um, is the climax to Star Wars A New Hope. Alright? And it shows Luke and Darth Vader. What are they doing in issue 6 in the cover? They are fighting. And when did that happen in the movie? Uh, in Star Wars. The, oh, God, it's been so long. Doesn't. Doesn't, right? Fight, it doesn't no. fight until yeah. Empire, right? Right. And it proclaims, at last, the soul-shattering climax of the year's best movie. 
Um, see, Luke Skywalker, Battle Darth Vader. The title already refers to this as the greatest space fantasy of all. So much of Star Wars has become American mythology, but there are departures from what we have accepted as facts that dwell inside those myths. Okay, so the missing scenes that are very famous missing scenes from the first movie. Luke observing the Star Destroyer's attack on the blockade runner. Luke meeting up with Biggs and friends. Biggs revealing to Luke that he intends to join the rebellion. Um, Han meets Jabba just outside the Millennium Falcon's hangar. Jabba does not appear as the Irish accent-wielding rotund human being that we've seen in the deleted scenes or the original theatrical release of Star Wars, nor the poorly adapted CGI we saw in the special editions. In the comic, he appears as a humanoid alien with a yellow head, medium build, dark eyes, and long whiskers. Jabba. Darth Vader observes and gives importance to the crest of Alderaan and is looking for data tapes when he boards the Rebel Blockade Runner. Vader refers to the Force as the Cosmic Force. R2 is referred to as an asteroid. Oh, yeah, Han shoots first. In the, in the comic? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Issue 5 implies that Ben Kenobi is responsible for giving the Force its name. Luke's call sign during the Death Star assault is Blue 5, not Red 5. The tease to issue 7, the first original story, refers to Luke, Han, Chewbacca, Leia, C-3PO, and R2-D2 as the Star Warriors. And they are branded as the Star Warriors from that point forward, at least through issue 19. Issue 17, an untold tale of Luke Skywalker's past. Crucible clearly implies that Luke's father grew up on the same moisture farm on which he was living with his uncle Owen in Amperu. Of course, at this point, we didn't know Darth Vader was mm -hmm. Luke's father. I made it through issue 19. Darth Vader has not reappeared. Issue 7 is a strange affair. Um, it holds the distinction of being the very first expanded universe story. It's outside the... Uh, issue 6 was the last issue of the movie adaptation. Um, picks up immediately after the Battle of Yavin. Han and Chewie leave to pay off Jabba and vow to return to the Rebellion at some point. Um, though, Han says that he will be seeking out Jabba on Dantooine, which is clear a clear editorial error as Dantooine was destroyed by the Death Star. He references skipping Sunday school as a child um, because that was a thing in a galaxy far, far away. The most interesting part of issue 7, Han and Chewie are paid to assist an alien in delivering the final burial rites to a member of a half-human, half-machine race of collective conscious beings called the Borg. Huh. And they are half-human, red-eye, the whole thing. Roughly 12 years before Star Trek gets there. Further, Han and Chewie join forces with a six-foot bunny named Jax. Find themselves on a planet joining a small group of villagers who are rebelling against a local crime lord. They are joined in battle by a local farm boy. His droid, literally C-3PO and R uh, his torso with R2-D2's trench. And what I can only equate to is a mayor's daughter whom he refers to as the princess. And an old man who may or may not be the last of the Jedi. In issue seven, so they're like, "Well, we're not going to use Han, Luke. We're not going to use Luke and Leia and Obi Wan, but we're just going to make new versions of these characters." Very bizarre. I mean, I mean, literally, if you look in there, you'll see guys wearing like the little flop hat with the goggles and yeah. the, the tunic. It looks like Luke. Have to, you're like, is that Luke? And he so keeps you're like, saying from issue seven on, it's not Luke. No, it is. But in that issue, because Luke's doing his own thing, and gotcha. he jump back and forth. But it's it's basically Luke, but it's not Luke. It's, it's weird. Um, Notable dialogue changes, though, going back to the original uh, comics adaptation. Han, getting back to the Falcon, is going to be flying like flying through the five fire rings of Fornax. Apparently that was actual dialogue that was edited out of the movie. Huh. Obi-Wan, only a master of evil, Darth. 
You still have much to learn. Not quite as impactful, oh, yeah, the master of evil, Darth. Uh, and what does he say? At first, you were, or is like, if you strike me down, I will become way more powerful than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> you still have much to learn. Um, here's what I love. Obi-Wan, you know half the Force, Vader. You perceive its full power as little as a spoon perceives the taste of food. Uh, these comics are not good. <laughs> they run counter to the tone of what the series would eventually become, but because The Empire Strikes Back sets the tone and it wouldn't be released for three more years, the writers and artists, I mean, they really only had a new hope to go on. Yeah. And as we've already discussed, Empire Strikes Back is the moment. Yeah. It's... It sets the tone. However, at, as I showed you, at times, it doesn't look like Star Wars, but Howard Shaken's art is a breathtaking example of how traditional comics were crafted. And I have to be honest, I have yet to tire of seeing all those old ads. Oh, yeah. There's something so charming about it. I had original designs. You know me. I'm not one of those people that likes to talk about stuff on the podcast that we're going to do mm -hmm. unless we've already done it. I'll tell you. I had original designs on collecting and reviewing the original Marvel run in its entirety, dividing it into thirds. Reviewing the first third from A New Hope to Empire, leading it to The Force Awakens. The next third, Empire to Jedi, leading to Episode 8. And then the last third, Jedi to the end of its run, leading into Episode 9. I'm not sure what to do here, buddy. I would like to keep going considering I already have an additional 30 issues to what's already here that I've just had for years on top of what I just reviewed. And having a high regard for comic writers and artists, I am curious to see what they do when Empire truly does set say, Maybe it gets better. <coughs> I don't see how it can't. I, I guess I, I said a while ago... Very cheekily, I reviewed Atari Force. Yes. Because I wanted to find something that was going to suck. And Atari Force did not suck. It was actually really, really fun. And it was good. Very good. Shockingly good. What the hell is this? You should read episode 7 just to go, Oh my god! What were they thinking? By the way, Han Solo is wandering around with his shirt off for that issue too. You know, why not? Yeah, why not? Um, I don't know. This isn't something I can recommend anyone to read. I, I was there was a minute there I was concerned because I I, I like you lost a lot of my fervor for Star Wars mm -hmm. after the prequel trilogy, and it took a long time for it to come back. Very long, and in fact, my enthusiasm was the, the eponymously titled Star Wars comic that Dark Horse started to produce. And do you remember uh, what frequently was in my pick pile and was a nominee last year for my favorite title, The Star Wars, was the, yeah, the, which was the original draft. Script. And I started to feel it again. I was really excited about Star Wars. Now, I, it would be very easy for me to tell you and, and to say, oh, I've killed it all over again. But no, because this, it's, it, it's charming. It's yeah. fun to read. And it, it got to be the point where recognizing the fact that they didn't know what they were... They had nothing to go on because... They were. I'm certain in some of the letters, Collins, they're saying, listen, we can't really use Darth Vader right now because they're getting ready for the sequel. We're kind of hands-off. And then I guess they do eventually get permission to include Darth Vader in the stories. They do start getting notes. Um, and what they're saying is, like, listen, uh, Star Wars Incorporated had no idea their movie was going to be this big. They are reacting to it just like we are. And imagine back then, you know, if they weren't sitting at a desk next to each other... That sort of information 
is going to be traveling very slowly. Yep. Um, it's fun. It, it's it's a fun thing to have in my collection. I honestly don't know where I'm going to go with it from here. Um, but just to say, listen, the prequels were bad, but it's not the only bad Star Wars there is out there. Yeah. Some of the books weren't great either. I, you know, I did read three of those, and that was what was considered the seven, eight, and nine. Oh, uh, oh man, the Dark Empire trilogy. No, that was the uh, Dark Force Rising. I, yeah, I have Thrawn trilogy. Yeah, I have them. And I, I, I believe they didn't I good. do a, a review of the comic adaptation? Yeah, of, of, those? of the of the first one of the first. Was it book? just the yeah. first? Yeah, I did because I had those. Um... Well, I, I gotta tell you, we're gonna have a heck of a lot more to talk about with Star Wars coming up. Yeah, but, um, man, just endless. Lots of comic book movies, lots of Star Wars movies. It's yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, like I, we're really at the precipice right now. You know. D- don't you get the sense though? I would be. I'm at a point though, and I know you haven't seen the latest trailer, and, you, and I, I get why. Trust me, I, I totally am with you on that. I used to do the same thing. I after seeing what it looks like. And trying not to make predictions in the story, I will be shocked if we walk out of that theater going, wow, that was terrible. They have ruined it all over again. I, I would be surprised. I mean, I hope not. I really, really hope not. Well, hey, man. Happy holidays. Same to you. May the force be with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, yeah. I have a feeling, you know, our next uh, episode is going to be our end of the year awards. Yes. Um, so we're really excited about that, but... Something tells me, depending on when we schedule that day, we may have to have a little bit of a conversation about this movie before we get into the awards. More than likely. I know, I know. All right, you got anything to plug, buddy boy? Uh, no, I, I really don't. I'm I'm pretty, you know, I'm just, I'm just here. Just here, reading comics. You're looking at me like, okay, let's end this so I can get back home and play some more Battlefront. Yeah, kind of. All right, uh, that's it for the panel scanners. Star Wars special. May the force be with you. Uh, go see the movie. Feel free to hit us up on the iTunes comments and let us know what you think. You can follow me, Darren's Ohio, uh, at Twitter. And I am at Phil the C on the tweets. And don't forget our buddy Johnny Caps, who was absent tonight, does have a book out, Mythos, The Time After Oblivion. That's C-A-P-P-S. You can find that on Amazon.com. From my buddy Phil... My name is uh, Darren. We're going to see you next. Oh, we're going to see you later this month with yeah. the end of the year awards. Bye bye.